our jobs, protecting us from the evil one. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Begin to thank him in your hearts for all that he's done, not for all that you need. The prayer of contentment begins like this. When you thank you for what he has done for you, rather in the things that you need. Begin to train up yourself in this way. Because this is the doorway to contentment with him. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us, both seen and unseen. We worship you. We give you all the glory. You're the meaning of life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, what you've done for each one here. Thank you for sustaining us. It's you alone that protects us from the evil one. We thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, from here to your throne of grace, we kiss you through our worship. We love you, Lord. In every season, we give thanks unto Christ Jesus. For this is the will of mankind. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for every season is a lesson and a blessing. And we pray that you train us to understand you more and more in the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Pray and thank him for what he has done. Rather than the things that you need. They will fall into your lap after this. Because you're not coming to him out of a need, you're coming to him out of a contentment. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we welcome you here. You're the Lord over this place. And we thank you for all that you have done. You're the lover of our soul. Thank you for all that you have done. Words can't express for what you have done for all of us. Thank you that you called us as sons and daughters. You've transformed, transformed us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your son that you love. Thank you for rescuing us from the dominion of darkness into your kingdom of light. Thank you, Lord. We thank you today. We thank you. We worship you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we can be taught by the Holy Spirit today more and more that we may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Ultimately, we gather because of Christ. The Bible says, where there is unity, he commands a blessing. <clears throat> the greatest way you can see that you are committed to Christ is when you come and you don't need nothing from God. That's when Christ can see that your call is true to him. We all begin our journey with a need and a want. We understand this. We all begin our journey out of a need and a want to be rescued mentally, emotionally, physically. Yes, 
But the greatest way you can know in your heart that your call to God is true is that when you come here and you don't need nothing from God but to grow and understand what His will is for your life. It is the truth. I'd like to share something that happened last week. <clears throat> I had so many Holy Spirit encounters last week and I thought it's best that I share this one with everyone. Okay. So last week I fellowshiped with a husband and a wife. By the grace of God, we fellowshiped. And they were stuck in their journey of faith. Which unfortunately, all of us at one time in our life, uh, or many times, face this. But the Holy Spirit gave me a deeper understanding or a deeper wisdom to understand how we get trapped. Would, would you like to know how you can get trapped in your journey of faith? There are many here that are trapped. Many people here where they're not progressing in the way that they are meant to progress. You know that when I read the Bible, the Holy Spirit lets me see this. You know why? The role of the Holy Spirit in your life is for you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is based out of growth. Grace is based out of growth. Our whole life consists of growth. And, and the worst thing is to get stuck. And at times we try to control things, at times we fear, at, at times we let go of God. But this was interesting, this one, what the Holy Spirit said to me. I'd like to share it with you because it's very interesting. And I asked them for their permission, but I will not be saying their names. Um, <clears throat> so I was sitting on the couch. And <clears throat> what I love about the Holy Spirit is I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. He teaches me a mystery every time. More and more wisdom to understand the heart of God. More and more wisdom to understand faith. And more and more wisdom to understand the kingdom of darkness. Because it's a well-established kingdom. Let me tell you that. Very established. So these, these, this couple, they were struggling financially. And there were many issues in their, in their, in their life. But one particular, he, he was struggling in his workplace. He was struggling in his workplace. And, and, his, and his wife, they have, they have a family that's, they're well off. They're well off, like they're established. They have a good business. And I want to show you how the enemy came and attacked them. So, so in her heart, she got married. In her heart, she believed the moment she got married that, that if, if it doesn't go well in my marriage financially, I can always go back and fall upon my parents. Meaning, I can always go back and my husband can work there, for, for example's sake. So for example, my husband, worst scenario, if he loses his job and if things don't go well with him, he can go back and he can serve my family. And she believed that. She believed that based out of fear. She believed that based out of unbelief. 
that if if things crumble in my family, I can always fall back on my family. The issue with that is, is that God our Father is the provider now. The issue is that you will both leave your household and you'll cling to your wife. The issue with that is that she came under a curse because she didn't recognize that God the Father is her provider and her blesser. Remember, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above who does not change like shifting shadows. And you know what ended up happening? I have to share this with you. I didn't know nothing. I'm just in the Holy Spirit and asking the Holy Spirit, what would you like me to say to them? And he showed me that he ended up working there. He ended up working there, meaning he went and served her family. And God showed me that, he, that she came under a curse and the enemy was able to come and attack their business in his workplace. And, she, and he went to serve the family because of the fears that were inside of her heart. The enemy had, unfortunately, legal right to attack the family and the husband because of what she's been entertaining all those, all those months and years finally took place. Was that she didn't understand the covenant that she has with her husband. She didn't understand that I have to rely on him now to lead me spiritually, physically. She couldn't understand it yet. And it's an it's a issue, it's a very common thing in our tradition. It's a common thing that if, if things don't go with, with, well with me in Christ, I'll just fall back to my family. Just open your hearts to this and begin to think, has this affected you? <laughs> you, may think, you may think I'm taking it an extra step, but can I tell you how the enemy attacks marriages? Yes? The woman can say, if he doesn't change, I'll just go back to my family. And the enemy attacks the marriage. Because in her heart there's a seed that things can go wrong. In her heart there's a seed that I'm not, I can't trust God to change my husband. And many marriages are attacked like this. And you may think, wow, you're going too deep. It's deep. To understand how the enemy attacks these doors and seeds are happening in a person's life. And a person may think, you know, my family's well established. I'm getting married into a person who's not established. Things hit the roof in the family. A family says, I was better off with my own family. I don't need to go through this. And you start to see the slave mentality. You start to see that Egyptian slave mentality. Take me back, at least they fed me there. You begin to see. So the enemy actually attacked this man's job and he went back and he served the family. And what was amazing is I knew nothing about it. The Holy Spirit was teaching me how the enemy attacks these areas. So when I lost my work, I was out of work for two years, four, uh, three years ago. God called me to the ministry. In that moment when I was preaching to that couple, in that moment, 
the Holy Spirit said to me, what you heard in your room was the devil's voice. You know what he said to me? He said, if, if, if the ministry doesn't go well and, and you need to go back to work to provide for your family, um, it's okay, you can go back to work. You'll make a lot of money before. And the enemy in that moment tried to trap me with my old life. God called me to ministry. And don't get me wrong, not everyone is called to ministry straight away. Let's establish that. Many people are called to work first, maybe commit later to ministry. I don't know how God does it, but I just wanted to show you how the enemy attacks family, enemy attacks marriages, the enemy attacks your, your lifestyle, your workplace, and you begin to think deeper. Why is the enemy in my circle? And the Holy Spirit brought it out. You know why he brought it out into the light? So you can, so you can close the door. But how can you close the door if you're not aware of what the door is? Do you understand? And then she said, oh my God. She said, that explains the dream that I've been having. That I'm, I'm committing to my family. She was having a dream that she was coming under another covenant of her parents after she's married. And it was interesting, eh? So the Holy Spirit allowed me to give that word to her, to free her and to establish them and to come back into the covenant where God the Father is the blesser, the provider of that family. But she had to commit to the gatekeeper. But in her mind she thought, if, if it doesn't go well, I can always go back to my family. Let me tell you something. If you want to know where the enemy is attacking you in your life, it's whatever you have a backup plan for. Wherever you have a backup plan, the enemy is there. Because it's fear, it's fear-based. It's control. Now you begin to think about your life. And you say, well, do I fully trust God? You know the Holy Spirit, he taught me like this. I was so busy analyzing myself and examining myself to see what grounds the enemy had in my heart. You see, wherever there's a backup plan, the enemy is there. I leave that with you now. Don't message me every single person tonight and say, you know what, this is what I'm going. <laughs> I just want you to open your heart to understand the deep counsel of the Holy Spirit for your own life. Whatever you have a backup hand for, the enemy is there. Unbelief is present. The enemy doesn't attack for the sake of attacking, he attacks unbelief. So our backup plan is based out of fear, is based out of lack of trust, is based out of uh, uh, the past. And you may think, well, do I fully trust God? Then you start to see Holy Spirit come into this area. I've recognized this now in my life. Holy Spirit, come into this area. And then he'll strengthen you. But how can he strengthen you of something you don't confess? How can you confess something you don't see? You see the doors? People think, oh, you always preach a bit too deep. The Holy Spirit's like this. God is spirit. Satan is spirit. And they like to create strongholds, thought processes that are based from your fear. 
So do you have a back backup plan? The Holy Spirit showed me that when when I when I, I lost my work, I spent probably a year and eight months in that room, locked in my room, worshiping God, thanking Him. My life's committed to you. I'm called for your purpose. And I sat there and I worshiped God. Then when I shared that, when I shared that with the couple, the Holy Spirit said, Who you heard was Satan. And it sounded like my own voice. And I was making like 2,000 a day on my own, working like labor. I'm a plumber. I was, working, I was making good money. And he said, it's okay. If it doesn't go well with you in the ministry, you can go back and make the same money. It was the enemy. No, interesting. Don't get me wrong. Not, not everyone's called to ministry. I just want you people like to pick on me and some things. But God called me immediately to ministry. But this, can, and this is regarding your whole life. Whatever you have a backup plan for, enemy is present, continuously attack you. Same goes with healing. If Jesus doesn't heal me, I always have the hospital to fall back on. Many people don't get healed because of this. You may attack me, but it's the actual truth. Many people have a backup plan. That's why they're not seeing the Holy Spirit present moving so powerfully. The Bible says he went around healing all sicknesses, all diseases. If you want to talk faith now, this is what we are meant to thrive for. Yes? This is what we are meant to thrive for. We all don't start there, but if you don't build a standard of where you want to go, it will never happen. It's true. So I leave that little thought with you. I felt very powerfully the Holy Spirit. Whatever you have a backup plan for, the enemy is present, but God is willing to help you and get you out of this place. Amen? Okay. Okay. Okay, so we go to the first scripture. Uh, first Timothy chapter 1 verse 1 to 5 in the Amplified <clears throat> I'll just share something with you <laughs> it was interesting I came here at quarter past 6 and I started to pray in the spirit and the Holy Spirit moved powerfully before anyone came and he done. he spoke to some people and so we prayed on a person that had cancer. And there was, there was a person standing here, and, and it was like standing right here where I normally stand. And I look, and I thought, I thought it was Chris. And I look again, and there's no one standing there. And I think to myself, he was standing where I preach. The Bible says that no one can do nothing unless it's given from heaven. And it's actually true. God is driving this place. God is driving this place, establishing us in truth. The Lord is near all those who call upon him in, in the truth. He's near. He's not distant. But he says, but the evil, you know what he says in the, in the book of Proverbs? It's actually true. He says, the evil, I see them from far. 
Nothing's changed from the old to the new. The principles, nothing's changed. Jesus has paved the way for us now through a new and living way, but he calls us to a deeper truth now. You know why? Because God lives in us now. You know that? Grace is, grace is the highest responsibility for a Christian now. You know why? Because God lives in our heart. You know that? He's written the law in the tablets of our heart. He lives in our heart now. Do you know that? We have the greatest responsibility now because the Holy Spirit's in us now. He's given us the ability to live and walk like Christ. Okay. <clears throat> so this teaching has been an amazing teaching for whoever hasn't heard. We've done the first series about a pure heart. And the Bible says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. That word in the sea means to discern God. You begin to know him. You'll be able to discern him and walk with him. Now we are talking about a good conscience. It's very powerful. Because this crowd here, and most of the crowd that have been coming, is the saved. Is the believing in Jesus. He's your Lord and Savior. It's the next step now. We're in the next step now. You don't need to hear the salvation message every week. You need to hear now how you need to grow. Yes? I hope so. You need to hear now how you need to grow. You have a responsibility now. To focus on one thing, grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have a responsibility now. I leave that with you now. In the beginning when I came to Christ on a honeymoon, I love you, Lord. I love you, my son. I love you, Lord. I love you, my son. For years he done this work in my heart. Now I know I love you, my son. You have to learn, me. You have to learn about me now. Son, I want to give you a bit more. Can you? I know now I have responsibility. And, I'm, and I'm, by the grace of God, he's given me this responsibility. And it begins in my heart first before I even preach it. So the most important thing is your responsibility to change. Does this, hap does this just happen without you doing nothing? No. It doesn't. So let's have a read. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. And this series is all based how to love God. If there's anything that I want to learn about is how to love God. The most important thing, how to love God with my heart. The rest doesn't matter much. The most important thing, how I can love God in my heart. Okay, so Paul, an apostle, special, uh, this is from the Amplified Version. Paul, an apostle, apostle special uh, messenger, personally chosen, representative of Christ Jesus by the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, our hope, the fulfillment of our salvation. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace and mercy and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. So here there is a blessing. He's talking about peace and spiritual well-being from God the Father 
and Christ Jesus. As I urge you when I was on my way to Macedonia, stay on Ephesus so that you may instruct certain individuals not to teach any different doctrines, nor to pay attention to legends, fables, myths, and endless genealogies which give rise to useless speculation and meaningless arguments rather than advancing God's pro program. So here there is a program that you need to advance in. And, and, and I'm going to explain it. Wouldn't you love to understand that there is a program that you need to advance in to get closer to God? It says here, rather than advancing God's pro program of instruction, which is grounded in faith and requires surrendering the entire self to God in absolute trust and confidence, but the goal of our instruction is love, which springs from a pure heart. I've already taught about that. A good conscience and a sincere faith. Now it's interesting because here he's showing you, he's showing you the foundation of love, the foundation of how you need to love God. And he says here, he says that love is the foundation and faith is the ground that it builds on. And then you got here. You got here a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith are all the branches. And I really believe now God's lifting up the standard in people's hearts to know Him greater. So let's have a look at it. So the word good, I'm going to go through this a little bit. The word good is in the Strong's. G18. It's from the Strong's Concordance in the Greek. Um, the word good is agathos. Yes? Good? Thank the Lord. I said the first Greek word right. <laughs> agathos. <laughs> no, no, let's not get there. So agathos, agathos is the word good, and in the Greek it means of good nature. It means useful, meaning useful for the master. The salutary meaning, favorable, friendly, good, helpful, kind. It means agreeable, joyful, happy, excellent. Distinguished, distinguished means an accomplishment that sets one apart. So it's an accomplishment that by faith that you enter in, that sets you one apart for God's purpose. Because not everyone has a good conscience. And, and I'm not speaking about anyone here. I'm just giving you an example. So it tells you here, distinguished, best described as an accomplishment that sets one apart. Upright means right-minded, decent, honest, and straight, straight path. That's the word for good. Virtuous meaning morally excellent, which is best described as the quality of doing right, and avoiding what is wrong. 
Okay. Conscience. This is the interesting one. Conscience in the Greek is sunadesis. Sunadesis. You've probably never heard that word. So sunadesis. It's from the Strong's G4893. Okay, it's actually amazing. So your conscience is part of your human psyche, your mind. God created it when he gave you the ability of self-awareness and rational thinking. Simply stated, your conscience recalls what you have accepted as right or wrong. Note, it's spelt with two words, con-science. Science comes from the Latin sire, meaning knowledge. And con means with. So you're thinking with knowledge, which is conscience. Is, is that simple? It's simple. So that's what it means. So your conscience is your thinking with knowledge. So you begin to see now that a good conscience doesn't come overnight. What does the Bible say? For the mature, they have trained themselves to discern both good and evil. That's the, that's the mature believer now. That's the mature thinker in the spirit. You see? It's a training. And the more you discern good, the, mo the more you discern good and shun evil, guess what happens? Your conscience becomes clearer for God. Now there's a mystery here. It's a powerful mystery. And Paul brings it to the surface. I love how the Holy Spirit teaches. So let's look at this now. So the enemy knows this, yes? The enemy wants to control your thoughts with fear, doubt, confusion, worry, worldly things. He, he, he reaps havoc in this world with believers. True? So many people are suffering mentally now, mentally, physically, and spiritually, because the enemy is stealing your conscience. He's stealing your conscience. And you know how he does it? It's very easy. Just stay away from the Word of God. Stay away from prayer. Stay away from your commitment to God. Very easy. You know why? Because a lot of people are in the nature of the flesh, which is in opposition to faith. So many people are suffering because of this. Okay, this, is, this can go many ways. I can speak about depression here. I can speak about anxiety here. I can speak about fear and torment of mind here. But I don't want to go this way, though there are people here suffering like this. I don't want to go this way. I'm going a different way. <clears throat> so you're thinking with knowledge. What knowledge? The value system you have been taught. So do you know when it says renew your mind? You start to see there's a lot of undoing that the Holy Spirit needs to do in your life. Or you stay the same person. Really. Your conscience reacts subconsciously. Under knowledge, you are not aware of it until you do something related to what you have been taught. It gives you good feelings when you agree with what you know to be right, but it can give you bad feelings when you know that which you know to be wrong. Just giving you an example. It's not true that a bad person has no conscience. 
He has a conscience, but not everyone's conscience reflects the same values. Your conscience is trained by what you believe, and it changes as your knowledge and value system changes. Make sense? It's so important. I'll tell you how important it is when Paul talks about it. You think, well, I'm ineffective in my conscience because I'm not doing my part as a believer to conform to the Spirit. Remember, the words I speak to you, they are the Spirit, they are the life. You begin to see. What activates the Spirit? The words I speak to you. So the Holy Spirit's waiting. What did Paul say? I believed and then I spoke. You start to see how disciplined the believer needs to be. It's so important you understand this. Because if your conscience is not dealt with, you stay the same person and you can also go back to your old ways. So many people say, the Lord delivered me from addictions or from sin or from the world. And guess what happens? If your value system is not renewed, you end up falling back to the old ways. You get it? Okay. So we have an obligation to renew our mind. Okay. Conscience is an internal or self-knowledge or judgment of right and wrong or power of principle within us which decides lawfulness or unlawfulness of our own actions, affections and instantly approves or condemns them. <clears throat> Let's go to Romans chapter 2 verse 14 to 15. how God created us now under, the, under this covenant now, no, no one can hide. So we are Gentiles, we're not under the law. So Romans 2, 14 and 15, it says, When Gentiles who do not have the law, since it was given only to Jews, do instinctively the things the law requires, guided only by their conscience. They are a law to themselves, though they do not have the law. They, they show that the essential requirement of the law are written in their hearts. And their conscience, their sense of right and wrong, their moral choices bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or perhaps defending them. So all mankind know whether they do good or evil. Does that make sense? You don't have to learn about it. So when you kill someone, you know you've done wrong, right? When you hate someone, your, your heart testifies to that. You can't hide it because God's written it now on our hearts. Make sense? Okay. So we'll go to the next scripture. Just quickly want to show you this. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. It says, For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship. All his creation, 
the wonderful things that he has made so that the, who fail to believe and trust him are without excuse and without defense. He knows now. It's written on our heart now. For even though they knew God as the creator, they did not honor him as God or give thanks for his wondrous works. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking, godless with pointless reasonings and silly speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So I just wanted to establish that now. God's written your heart. When you choose to not forgive, your heart testifies to that. Doesn't that make sense? Why are so many people getting sick? Yes, can you see now? Because he's written the law in their hearts. Your body responds to that and it begins to get sick. The Bible says bitterness rots your bones. So even an unbeliever who is sick, he's sick because God's written the law in their heart. It's truth. It's either truth or it's falsehood. You begin to see? Are we understanding? Okay, so now we get to the exciting part, the teaching. Faith has a mystery. Faith has a mystery here. Faith has a mystery. It has a mystery. Meaning, meaning, faith by itself, it's, it never comes by itself. Paul talks about the mystery of faith. I worship God by the law of the spirit of faith. There is a mystery that God wants to establish in our hearts. And I'd like to read it to you. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. It says here, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. You see here? You see here this mystery? It's, it's, it's one of the biggest mysteries that completes a believer. You know why? You know why? I'll tell you why. We go to the next scripture, uh, 1 Timothy. So miss out the first two. Go to 1 Timothy 1.19. 1 Look what Paul says here. If your conscience is left undetected. Look. having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. You know why it says that? Do you know why it says that? Imagine I have faith to lay hands on the sick and they get healed. Imagine I have faith to cast out demons. Imagine I have faith to operate in prophecy or operate in the gift of teaching, whatever it is, and my conscience is seared, where there is envy, there's jealousy, there's pride. What have I achieved? What have I achieved? Nothing. Nothing. He said, this is what he's showing here. He says, many have suffered shipwreck because they're going after the gift of faith to be a witness for Christ and they've left their conscience seared, darkened. And some people run away from them. Some people run away from them. Why am I always envious? Why am I always jealous? Why am I always bitter? Why am I always prideful? Why am I always feeling these things? And you begin to see that faith by itself is unfruitful. Without a pure conscience, it doesn't complete you. Because you can do the works of Christ and entertain the enemy inside. You begin to see? You begin to see? So he's saying faith is a mystery. 
And many have suffered shipwreck because of it. Because they've gone after the will of God to bear, to bear for his glory and they've left their conscience opened. They've left their conscience undetected. Meaning, I've got to focus on how to please God. I've got to focus on what he wants to show me for the world. And their heart stays the same. He's talking about the conscience of your heart. Your heart stays the same. Guess what happens? You're ineffective. You're ineffective as a Christian. You're doing the will of God and, and pride's trying to hold on to you. You're doing the will of God. Jealousy is trying to hold on to you. You're, do, you're doing the will of God. Lack of love is trying to hold on to you. And you begin to yourself, why am I like this? Why am I feeling this? It's because God has to come into this area to heal and restore this place. You see? So what's the partner for faith? Go back to that first scripture. What's the partner for faith? It's the first time I teach this. What's the partner for faith? Pure conscience that completes you to go where God's called you to your perfect destiny. Can you see? Faith has a partner. Pure conscience. It's the most powerful thing. You know, last year the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to show you the deep teachings of Paul. Believe me, they're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. You know why? To perfect the body. To perfect the body, to make it holy and blameless. It's true. It begins with my own heart first. But you see, what do you entertain in your heart? I love Jesus, but I think about someone not in the right way. I love Jesus, but I have a critical heart. I'm always looking at people differently. I love Jesus, but I'm coveting always, wanting what others have. You start to see God wants a pure conscience. Because without a pure conscience, guess what happens to your faith? Shipwreck. You know why? Your gift can only take you so far. It can only take you so far. You get found out, you get caught out. Yes, it's true. You get caught out. I learned very quickly in my journey, if I hide behind my gifting, I'm in trouble. I learned very quickly. And thank the Holy Spirit for this. There are so many people say, you know, Lord, use me. Lord, show me your will. Let me create in you a pure conscience. So then I can rest faith on you to grow. It's too powerful. Faith by itself. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. For the one who believes in him must believe he is and is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What are you seeking him for? Are you seeking him to cleanse your conscience? Are you seeking him to create a pure heart? Or you've missed the mark? Can you see? Or am I talking to myself? Can you see what's the most important thing to God? Believe me. Can you see? What's the most important thing to God? Paul shows the mystery of faith. He shows it. With something, with something so simple, yet so humbling. So, we go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, go there, but I'll, I'll read out what mystery means in the Greek. I'll read this first. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 10 to 12 in the New King James Version. It says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So look here now. He's showing you what's acceptable to the Lord. He's showing you now what the counterfeit to it, to it is. He's showing you the opposition now. Can we go? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So he's showing you now, you're going to please me. This is what you need to do first. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Okay, that's it. So the word mystery, the word mystery in the Strong's, um, G3466, or the Greek 3466, is mustery on. It's all right. It must be the original Greek. <laughs> so mustery on. Mustering. Mustering. Yeah, maybe something like that. Mustering. Mysterian. Yeah, good. Good. Okay. Now look at this. The mystery, look what it says in the Greek. Look what it says in the Greek. The secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous, which are hidden from the ungodly and the wicked. The secret counsels which govern God, that's what the word mystery means. The secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous, which are hidden from ungodly and wicked men, but painly to the godly. The hidden things or the secrets of God. Now, you know how it says in Proverbs 25 too, it is to the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. So he's showing you here, he's showing you here, there is, a, there is a secret that needs to be revealed from the New Testament and the Old, and he's showing you to search it out. Meaning, search out the deep things of God that allow you to draw near to him. So we'll go to the next one. Okay, this is good now. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Faith with a good conscience. Faith with a good conscience leads to shipwreck. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, in the New King James, it says, Having faith with a good conscience, with some having rejected, concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. The word shipwreck is an interesting word. Okay? So many people seek faith without a good conscience. Unfortunately, they cannot move any forward. You know why? I'll read it out here. The word shipwreck, now you're thinking, why is this guy picking the Greek word and plucking this word out? Because they mean something. It speaks a deeper value what's blocking you from moving forward. Do you see now in your journey you moving forward? Do you see most believers today come up to me, unfortunately, with restrictions and limitations and confusion because they're not progressing in the ways of God? Is that normal? No. To, according to the Bible, it's not. Do all of us go through this? Yes. Yes. I can say that for myself. Are we meant to stay there? No. 
Now let me show you the issue. The issue is not faith. The issue is the pure conscience. God's showing you, God's showing you, having faith and a good conscience, they're the, they're, they're the two that perfect you from moving forward. So the word shipwreck, the word shipwreck means in the 3489, that's the word. It means it cannot be navigated by God. That's what the word means in the Greek. Isn't that unbelievable, eh? It means cannot be navigated by God. Because you're searching or you're going in the wrong direction. You're looking at the wrong things. Cannot be navigated by God. His faith is stranded and trapped. Now, very easily you can blame you can blame things or you can blame the devil. It's got nothing to do with that. God's trying to establish himself in you. A pure conscience is God himself in you. Living and thinking like Christ. It's the truth. So look what it says here. Cannot be navigated by God. His faith is stranded and trapped to be led away. Why so many people fall away, you know why? They go after faith first without a pure conscience. And how true is that? Before Jesus went into the promised land to, be, to, to glorify God the Father and operate in his signs and wonders, he had to destroy the devil first. He had to destroy the flesh first. So the word shipwreck cannot be navigated by God. His faith is stranded and trapped to be led away, unable to move from a place. Okay. So you begin to see, wow, it's all clicking together now. It's clicking together that it's not a special wand. I'm going to get up and everything's going to get restored. This is a deep walk with God. Yes? God wants to create a pure conscience because that is Him in you. That is the Holy Spirit inside of you. And believe me, I don't try to look in the Spirit anymore. As I try to look to Christ, the author and finisher of my faith, it reflects naturally. You know why? Because I've understood what pleases the Lord. My heart to be like Christ. It's ever a working grace. It's a continuous grace that I cannot take my eyes off. Meaning I'm never complacent. It's a continuous work that I'm thriving to obtain. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's go deeper again. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. New King James Version. He says here, How much more shall the blood of Christ... Now he's talking to you while he's died. He's talking to you while he died. Look what he needs to perform in you. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your...
So many people say, why am I continuously sinning? The issue is your conscience. Your conscience. When your conscience is dealt with, that door is closed. Can you see? I'll show you in the scripture anyways. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works? Is that a one-off thing? Is that a one-off thing? No, it's not. It's process. You start to see? Someone leave already? Look, look why he has to cleanse your conscience, because that's who you are in Christ. But look at the outcome. Look at the vision that God wants you to have in your heart. Look at the vision that God wants to establish in your heart. He just doesn't cleanse you so you can live an ordinary life. He cleanses you so you can serve the living God. You need, an, you need to have this vision in your heart. If you don't have this vision in your heart, then you're building momentum for nothing. As you cleanse your conscience, because that's who you are in Christ, God prepares the works before the foundation for you to walk in them. You don't force the fruits. You don't force to preach the gospel. You don't shove the Bible in someone's throat and make them believe. God brings them to you. St. Paul says to some, you're a death because they don't want to change. They want to live in sin. To some, you're the sweet aroma of Christ. Because you bring, the, you bring this aroma that allows them to grow. But you see, start to see why so many people fail to serve the living God. He doesn't talk about faith here. Now we're listening now, it's getting deeper now. Now faith is out the spotlight now. He's not talking about faith now. He talks about your conscience. Why? Because faith is a gift. Conscience is not a gift. <laughs> Amazing. Cleanse your conscience because that's the work that you need to do. That's the work you need to do. Faith is a gift from God. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word about Christ. That word's rhema. It's a God-given. This one is your duty. So see why so many people cannot be used by God? Because the dead works are not purged. Their conscience stays the same. You start to see now? That I am not, I am not given a God-given ability. This is not a salvation message. These messages you won't hear from me anymore. These messages to grow now. And not only messages to grow, messages to see why you're stuck. This is a God-given duty to cleanse your conscience. How you cooperate with him. Okay. So he offered himself, he offered himself for the whole world to free them from sin. Deeper than that. He offered himself to cleanse you and purify you in your heart and in your mind. Imagine you preaching the gospel. Imagine you being an ambassador for Christ on earth and you're entertaining pride, jealousy, 
envy, covetous, what have you achieved inside? Ask yourself that. We understand we all start with struggles and we all start with things that we need to deal with, but imagine leaving them undetected. They become a tail for you and they trap you from moving forward. Okay, let's go to the next one. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 23. Now this is interesting. All these scriptures are powerful. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 23, in the New King James Version. Now here, he's given us an important key. This is your first approach to God. His, 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 um, the Bible says that we can here, as you can see, we can enter the throne of grace boldly. He's showing you the first approach to God. If you get this right, there are many blessings after that. Yes? I'll show you. Look. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He's talking about bat baptism here now. Here he's talking about an evil conscience. What's your first approach when you draw near to God? James chapter 4. Remember? Draw near to God, cleanse your hands, purify your heart, you're double-minded. You start to see the, the first approach that you have to God. It's about cleansing, purifying your heart. Look here. The first approach to approaching the throne of grace is not to be used by God, is not to operate in signs and wonders, is not to be the saviour of the world. Your first approach is to cleanse your evil conscience. You start to see, I'm aware of myself more than anything. I'm aware of the things that I fell to in the past. I'm aware of my old character because they can spring up in any way, in any form. The Bible says a little leaven corrupts the whole batch. But look here, your God-given duty by the grace of God is to come to Christ first to cleanse you from an evil conscience. It can be fear. It can be insecurity. It can be doubt. It can be, there can be many things. Rebellion. So you start to see. Now look at the blessing here. Look, what, look how it's inscripted of what God tells you. When you draw to the throne of God, come with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. So your first approach is, Lord, I've identified these things in my life. Cleanse me, Lord. Remove these from me by the blood of Jesus. I repent from them, Lord. And there are, in my journey, there was multi-layers. Before I started to see the deep fruits of God in my heart and my mind, and the, and the deep ways of the Spirit, there was much of this in my life. I like to talk truth to you. There was much of this in my life. Now let's go to the next one. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
comes with a blessing. You see, whatever you've asked, whatever you've asked from God, focus on cleansing your conscience. He will focus on blessing you. Yes? It's the truth. I'll stop here. You begin to see, you begin to see what moves the heart of God. It's not what you can do for the Lord. It's how he comes inside and cleanses that place of your heart. You start to see how powerful it is. You start to see what you need to focus on in your journey. Focus on these things. Out of all this teaching, go back to the mystery. The mystery of faith is a pure conscience. First Timothy, the first one, the mystery of faith. This one should be engraved in you. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. Does that mean to go and preach the gospel? Does that mean to go and do the things of God? The first foundation is this here. Holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. He's showing you what will allow you to outlive your whole journey not burnt out. How many people give up? How many people fall into a place of condemnation? How many people fall into a place of confusion? Because they leave this place undetected. How many people? Yes, Lord, I'm doing your will, but I feel so many terrible things in me. Allow me not to feel your love. Allow me not to be mature in my thinking. Because the worst thing is to have a seed conscience where continuously you're having negative and evil thoughts flowing through you. Yes, it is. And you can, you can begin to say, you can begin to think, why is the enemy there? You know why the enemy is there? It's because you haven't bought the Holy Spirit, you haven't brought to the throne of God your conscience. Whatever you're feeling is you. If you have jealousy in your heart, for example, the devil will bring that to you. If you have pride, the devil will bring pride to you. If you have covetousness, the enemy will bring covetousness to your heart. It's not the enemy. It's the conscience that hasn't been brought to the light yet. So, so many people, so many people in an area in their minds where the enemy is coming and feasting, it's because they have missed, misunderstood the area that God needs to focus on. We understand? So many people run away from their own mind because they feel these things. You're not meant to run away from them. What does the Bible say? In Ephesians, find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the, with the unfruitful works of darkness. Expose them. Expose them. When you expose them and the Holy Spirit works in you in this way of a pure conscience, guess what's next? The blessings of God. Promotion from God. 
I want to know how to get promoted by God. Does God promote me by accident? I can tell you some deep things the Holy Spirit told me to do that you are yet to understand. You think, wow, like, did he tell you to do this? Yeah, I was ready for it, but not by accident did I prepare myself. I read the scripture to know how I need to grow. I read the scripture to know that, yes, God loves me. Yes, he has amazing plans for me. But what can I do on my part so I can grow and cooperate with the Holy Spirit? You don't need a salvation message anymore. You have believed the Lord now. It's for the next, the next chapter in your journey. So can we go to the dead works? Hebrews. The one with the dead works. I think nine. Now look here. Look at the reason why many people are not used by God. The scripture talks for itself. It shows you here why Christ died and, and what the true motive of God was to cleanse inside of you. To cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So guess what happens when you bypass this? You get a Christian that's tormented in his mind. You get a Christian that continuously battles himself to shun those things away from him. And naturally, he doesn't enter a realm to serve the living God. So you begin to see now here, the second, the second realm, the first realm, how to love God, purity. The second one is a good conscience. And I'm going to explain next week what, what it actually is. What are the fruits of a good conscience according to the Bible? And you're going to put them together and you say, well, I understand. And guess what's going to happen after that? You're going to see the opposite of it. You're going to see both dimensions. And you can start to see the things that are dominating you and the things that are blocking you from moving forward. It says, having faith with a pure conscience, many have rejected it. They went after faith, rejected pure conscience, they shipwrecked. They can't be navigated by God anymore. Isn't that, a, isn't that a bad place to be? Yes? Now, I ask you this question, but don't put your hands up. How many people here are navigated by God? Now, please, don't get offended from me. How many people from all their hearts can say, I am being navigated for the will of God, I'm being navigated by the Holy Spirit, and God is operating in my life? How many? you begin to see. So you can see why the Holy Spirit is allowing this teaching to come. So he can promote you. Not to pinpoint you, not to catch you, to promote you to move forward. Amen? So let's take this with our hearts. Because you were called serve the living God. To your God-given, to your God-given gift of why he put you on earth. Amen? Okay, bless you all. We will pray. Let's pray. The teaching, the teaching from the Holy Spirit is going to challenge us. Let me just tell you this now. It's going to challenge us. In the beginning, 
in the beginning when God's discipline you, he tells you that it doesn't feel well in the present time, but it produces the seed of righteousness. You have to know what God wants to build inside of you. You have to know what you will put here on earth. You begin to see this, you begin to focus on it now. Is that my life or is it Christ's life? You begin to see. If I can let you see, I done my part. The rest is your free given will, but I done my part. A true teacher that comes from God or a true man of God or woman of God that comes from God, that will show you this. The rest is up to you. I can only tell you what the Holy Spirit's prompting me to preach. The rest is your God-given free will. But I tell you now in love, choose. Choose Christ. Because it is the only way. The devil will show you many ways, many backup plans, but they're all false. <laughs> if I can tell you like this. It's all false. He'll never tell you that you're going to die. That's for eternity. So by the grace of God, each heart here, open your hearts to the truth. I tell you the truth with nothing attached to it. It's the truth. You must undergo the process of God. Yes, there's many tests, many challenges, but it's the only way. God wants His heart in your heart, His conscience in your conscience. And that's what perfects faith. You'll be navigated by God, you'll never be stuck. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You in the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. We worship You, Father. We give You all the glory. We thank You, Holy Spirit, for you're our true compass. You're the one who navigates us to your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're the comforter that teaches us everything about Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to do the good work in us, allowing us to do what's truly our worship and devotion to God. Create in us, Lord, a good conscience. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you come into the area of our conscience and let it produce Christ Jesus in our lives. We repent, Lord, of an evil conscience. We repent, Lord, of ignorance, of failing to see what needs to be done in our lives so we can succeed more and more in your kingdom. But I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, from here to the throne of grace, we thank you and we pray by the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that you give us the faith, the endurance, the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in a good conscience that completes faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you all. Thank you.